Well, as we mentioned, we're in a series called Let's Stop Pretending, talking all about relationships. And two weeks ago, we started with uh, looking at Romans 12 and the foundation for every good relationship being honor. Um, that if we want to have good relationships, it's got to start with honor. And then uh, last week, Josh talked with us about conflict. Um, we all deal with it all the time, uh, sometimes well, sometimes not so well. And uh, Romans, again, had some answers for us about how we can deal with conflict in a better way. And if you missed any of those, I'd encourage you to check out our podcast and get caught up on that. And today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to focus on how we can build marriages that last. We're going to take that foundational piece of honor uh, and apply it to the marriage relationship. And you might be here and thinking, you know, I'm not married, so why did I bother coming here today? Uh, but he- here's what I would love for you to, to understand from today. Many of the principles that we're going to talk about for a lasting marriage can transfer very well into just about any relationship. And so I'd encourage you to continue to lean in. The reality is that building lasting relationships is hard. We live in an age and in a culture that is commitment averse, and many people are fine with just moving on if things do not work out exactly how they want. We will move from marriage to marriage, friendship to friendship, job to job, community to community, because things aren't exactly perfect for us. We're trying to find that perfect fit for us, and if it doesn't work out, we just leave. The issue is that we bring the same unhealthy habits and beliefs and tendencies with us into that next relationship, and so we end up right where we started. Loving someone, truly loving them, and loving them over the long haul is difficult. It's hard work, and it can be painful, because the people that we love the most, they also have the opportunity to hurt us the most, don't they? So loving someone over 30, 40, 50 years, it's no small thing because we're all human and the longer we're together, the more we see of each other's faults and the more opportunity there is for small things to creep into our relationship and ruin its foundation. Sometimes we can pretend like our marriage is great or we can pretend like we are a great spouse and we have it all together, but the more time goes by, the more the truth comes out. So my goal today is to help you build a marriage that lasts. I've been married for six years this June, so clearly I know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) But the good news is that the authority doesn't really come from my experience. It comes from God's word. And so if you've been married for two years or 20 years, or even if you're not yet married, the word of God has some principles for us that can help us build lasting relationships. You see, I believe that Satan wants to destroy your marriage. He really wants to destroy all of our relationships, but especially marriages. He has worked very hard to convince many of us that a marriage that is full of joy and peace and contentment just isn't possible. He's worked very hard to convince many of us that the good days of our relationship, they're they're back when we were dating. They're they're back when we were first married. And, you know, we've moved past that, and now we're stuck with somebody that we tolerate on a good day, right? He's worked very hard to convince us of that. It's all around us in our culture. But the Bible teaches us that we actually can have a great marriage. But there are no quick fixes. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic uh, way or shortcut. It's going to require some work and some commitment. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Song of Songs chapter 2. The name Song of Songs basically means the greatest Song. Other translations title this book the Song of Solomon because he is uh, likely the author, uh, not my Solomon, but King Solomon, in case you're a little confused there. 
This book is essentially a love song between a man and a woman, and it's meant to create a picture uh, for us of how great marriage can be when we do it God's way. When we follow God's path for what a relationship should look like, it's, it kind of paints that picture. It's full of ancient poetry, much of which might seem a little bit strange to us, uh, but it would have been among the best love songs and poems of its day. And in the middle of this back and forth between the man and the woman, here's what we see in chapter 2, verse 15. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, before, before the grapevines are blossoming. And so the author here is comparing the marriage relationship to a vineyard, and he uses foxes as an illustration for those little things that can ruin your marriage. See, foxes are rather small animals, but they can destroy a vineyard if you don't deal with them. Those of you who do any kind of farming or, or gardening, you know that a pest doesn't have to be big in order to destroy your entire crop. Small things can make a big impact. So the author says that these little foxes will ruin the vineyard of love. They will ruin your marriage. They might seem small, but over time, they can destroy everything. And so this morning, here's what we're getting at. The little things make a big difference over time. Over time, little things tend to become big things. The small things that you didn't think would be a big deal, they all of a sudden become a massive deal. And so the little things in your marriage that you didn't think would threaten your relationship have a big negative impact. And before you know it, you are wanting out of a relationship that you vowed to be committed to for the rest of your life. You see, we often think that our life is made up of big moments and big decisions. What career we pursue, our wedding day, when our kids are born, whatever those big moments might be. But the reality is that our life is actually made up of a million small decisions, a million small moments. We don't live only in Instagram-worthy date night or the resume-worthy accomplishments. We live in trips to the grocery store, long days at work, Meals with the family, back and forth to work. These everyday moments, that's the address where we live every single day. These are what make up our life. And these little moments and little decisions shape our lives far more than the big ones because that's where we are every single day. And the same is true in our marriages. Our marriages don't fall apart because of one decision or one moment. They fall apart because of hundreds of little decisions that over time ruined the foundation of our relationship. Maybe those little choices led to one big dramatic thing like an affair, but you don't wake up one day and decide to cheat on your spouse. There are a hundred, probably a million little decisions over time that you made that led you to that place. The little things make a big difference over time. They might seem small in the moment, but over time they can have a massive impact, either for good or for bad. Jesus talked about the little things too in Luke chapter 16. Here's what he said in verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So Jesus here makes a direct connection between the little things in our lives in the big ones. He says that uh, we can't expect to be faithful in the big things if we aren't faithful in the small ones. How we handle small issues is really how we're going to handle big issues. We're tempted to think it can be different, like, oh, when it's that important, then I'll lean in better. No, no, no. 
How we handle the small things is how we'll handle the big ones. Little things make a big difference over time. Sort of like your physical health and fitness. You don't put on extra weight because of one decision, right? You put on weight because of lots of decisions over time to continue to eat things that aren't that healthy for you or to continue to skip that exercise when you know you probably should do it. And the same is true in reverse, right? We don't lose weight because of one decision to work out one time. We lose weight when we, over time, make a lot of small decisions to skip that dessert, to work out when we don't feel like it. Last week we talked about how to deal with conflict, and sometimes we don't have healthy conflict because we avoid dealing with the small conflicts well. And over time, what could have been a small conflict grows into something far larger because we never dealt with it. Because when you don't deal with it, it just grows larger in your heart and in your mind, and all of a sudden that one glance that your spouse gave you becomes this big offense that you hold against them because you never dealt with it. Small conflicts can become large when we don't deal with them. I want to give you an example of this um, from my marriage just this week. See, I was preparing for this message, talking about how little things make a big difference, and then realized I'd let a little thing go in my marriage that I should not have. I do most of the dishes in our household. Um, when we got married, we split up the chores, and I'd been a dishwasher for three-plus years at a coffee shop and at a restaurant, and so I figured that's probably something I can handle, right? Um, at least I thought so. Um, and so I, I do the dishes in our household, and Joanna, my wife, she eats gluten-free, and if you've ever cooked gluten-free noodles, you know they are an animal all to their own. Um, there is something just weird about them, trying to cook them right. It's like super easy to undercook them and overcook them at the same time. It's like this exact science. I haven't figured it out, by the way. Um, and the other thing that's kind of strange about them is that they leave this weird film all over everything while they're cooking, right? You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's so annoying. It's this like weird film that gets caked on anything when you cook them. And so when my wife is uh, cooking them, sometimes she would drain the noodles in the sink, and there were other dishes in there that I hadn't yet cleaned, and they would have been easy to clean. I probably could have put them right in the dishwasher, but now they've got this noodle film all over them, and I'm scrubbing them for like half an hour to try and get this stuff off of there. And so that annoyed me. And so I did what every loving husband does. I got quietly angry at my wife, and I didn't say anything to her. Super helpful, right? Super helpful for a relationship to just continue to get angry at her without saying anything to her. Got quietly angry and it did not help at all. It should be, I kept telling myself, you know, this is something I can get over. It's no big deal. Apparently, I couldn't get over it because it still made me mad every single time. And so finally this week, I said something. I said, could you please try to move the dishes out of the sink before draining the noodle water? It was that easy, it was that simple, but for some reason I didn't do it for a long time and instead I just got angry at her for something she wasn't even intentionally doing. You might hear that and think, David, that might be the most petty thing I've ever heard in my life. What is your problem? You're right, it's so small, it probably shouldn't bother me and yet it does. I guess I'm just that selfish, but, but here's the thing, I can't expect my wife to act on information that she doesn't have. That's unfair to her, right? It's so small, and yet in my mind it had become so large, and I can quickly go down paths as I'm scrubbing the noodle film off these dishes where I make her out to be a villain who's making my life difficult on purpose. <laughs> we can do that in our heads, right? You might think it's so small, but those small moments are exactly where we live every single day. Making dinner, 
doing dishes, taking care of the kids, changing diapers, whatever it is, whatever season of life you're in, that's where we live every single day. And if we don't learn to manage these small things well, they can ruin our relationship like the foxes that get into the vineyard and over time destroy the crop. These little things can make a big difference over time. Now, there are times that we can let love cover the little things. 1 Peter 4.8 talks about uh, love covering a multitude of sins, and I think we can apply that to, to non-sins too, things that, uh, an offense they didn't mean, something they're doing on accident. There are times where we can let love cover that, but when we can't move on, we have to have a conversation about it. The author of Song of Songs doesn't spell out for us what these little foxes are, and I wonder if that's intentional, so that we would ask, what are the little things in my marriage? What are the little things that creep in and destroy the foundation of my relationship with my wife or my husband? And once we have figured out what that fox is, we need to catch it. That's what the author says. We can't just let it continue to destroy our marriage. Like if you have a pest in your garden, you're not just going to like sit idly by while it continues to destroy your tomatoes or whatever it is that you like to grow. You attack it. So here's what we need to do in our marriages. We need to attack the little things that can hurt your relationship. When we see what that fox is, we don't sit on our hands. We don't say, oh man, that's too bad. No, no, no. We go to work to attack it, to rid it from our lives. We have the conversation. We address the issue. We don't let it simmer and lead us to unhealthy places. We deal with it. Maybe it seems small now, but if we don't address it, it will only get bigger and worse. This is one of the ways that we can honor our spouse, right? By valuing them and the relationship enough to actually have the conversation, even when it's difficult, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's something that should, just seems so small, it shouldn't be a big deal. We're willing to approach it anyway. So here's what I want to do for a few minutes. I want to try and help you identify and attack some of the little things in your marriage and your relationships that will destroy them if they're not dealt with. These are not all the possible issues, but I think there's some common ones that I've, I've seen repeated many times, and I think we even see in Scripture. So here's the first one, out-of-line priorities. As we've said, it's really easy for small things to become big things, and this is true in our priorities too. Like something that should be like way down on the bottom shelf all of a sudden becomes this ruling priority for our life that drives us far more than it should. It crowds out other things in our heart and in our life. And in our marriage, everything from kids to jobs to money to vacations to you name it can become this ruling priority that all of a sudden overrules the commitment that we made to our spouse. When we got married, we vowed to forsake all others for our spouse, but now we find ourselves forsaking our spouse for the sake of this other person, this other priority, this other thing that we just feel is more important in the moment. How about lack of quality time? I think life can get so busy and before you know it, you haven't talked to your spouse in a week and a half or something like that. How many, how many times have we heard the sad story of the couple where the kids graduate and they move out of the house and they find themselves sitting there with their spouse that feels like a stranger because they've never pursued quality time together for the last 20 plus years of raising kids. And I'm not talking about having some fancy date night every week. I'm just talking about creating space in your life to have real conversations with the person that you pledge your life to. And every couple has a different idea of what quality, quality time means, and that's a good thing. What works for Joanne and I might not work for you. The issue is if we're actually pursuing it together. 
Certainly related to that would be lack of effort. I think we can easily fall into a rut of not giving our marriage the effort that it deserves. We want a fun and a thriving marriage, but we aren't willing to put in the work to make that happen. Relationships are hard, and marriage is no exception to that. And so if we want a great marriage, it will not happen on accident. It will be the result of intentional decisions over time to pursue our spouse or not. There's no such thing as coasting into a healthy marriage. And the health of your marriage five and ten years from now, it's not determined, again, by one or two big decisions or moments. It's determined by hundreds of little choices we make every single week to pursue our spouse or not. Another area that can feel like a small thing is unmet expectations. When we think our spouse will do something and they don't do that, it can lead to a lot of pain heartache, disappointment, and loss for us. Sometimes it might be over something big. Maybe it's over something that we thought at least was small. When we walk into marriage, we have certain expectations, whether we realize it or not. Maybe it's where you spend the holidays. Is it at home with just the two of you and your kids? Is it with her family? Is it with his family? About gift giving at, all, at Christmas time. Do you have to get something for everybody in the family of like 50 plus people, or can you do some sort of secret Santa? Is it something gigantic and really expensive? Is it something small? Or even things like your anniversary and Valentine's Day. Do you make a big deal out of those? Do you see them as an opportunity to invest in your marriage or like a Hallmark holiday to just be avoided? I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but if you don't talk about it and what the other person expects, all of a sudden you get to that day and one of you has very, very hurt feelings because of this unmet expectation. About your relationship with your in-laws. They live close. Do you want them over every night of the week, or would you like just a little bit of space, please? (laughs) Neither one is right or wrong. It's just if you don't talk about it, if you don't realize what your expectations are, you can end in pain. And these are just a few of the expectations that we walk into marriage with, and when our spouse doesn't meet them, what seems like a very small thing becomes very big very quickly. And by the way, this is why I would encourage all couples getting married to do some premarital counseling because one of the things that premarital counseling does is help you both uh, get expectations out on the table that you may not have even realized that you had um, so that you can talk about them and realize them before you get married. It can save you a whole bunch of pain. And I know couples who after 10, 20, 30 years still haven't really learned how to talk about these expectations that they had for their life and their marriage in a healthy way. And it's ended in a lot of loss for them, a lot of pain. What makes unmet expectations even harder is when we fail to communicate them on the front end. Sometimes we feel like they should just know what we want. Um, Little hint here, they don't. They can't read your mind. Don't expect them to. Other times we just don't know what we expect until it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden we're faced with a loss and we're wondering why are we in this pain unmet, uncommunicated expectations. They can quickly derail any relationship. And so we have a choice when we come to one of these unmet expectations. We can either fill that gap with trust or with suspicion. We can choose to assume the worst of our spouse or assume the best. We can choose to have a conversation as difficult as that might be or to avoid the issue and just kind of hope it'll get better all on its own. Certainly related to that would be poor communication. I hesitated to add this because I feel like communication is such a big thing, but I feel like we can treat it like a small thing. We'll give little to no effort into communicating well with our spouse, and then we wonder why we have 
issues in our marriage. I think poor communication can include things like a sharp tongue, lying or distorting the truth, assuming the, the worst instead of asking a hard question, how we handle conflict when it does come up, like we talked about last week, how you communicate about problems in your relationship. I know uh, for me, sometimes I can just not communicate well with my wife. I just assume she knows things that I never told her. That's unhelpful. That's not fair to her, right? Words can seem small to us in the moment, but they can derail a relationship so fast. The Bible teaches us the words have really have great power, and how we use them can be a force for good or for evil. And then finally, how you handle disagreements and unresolved problems can really make or break a relationship. And again, I hesitate to add this because I feel like it's so big, but again, I think we treat it like it is a small thing. So in a disagreement, do you work to understand where your spouse is coming from or just listen in order to dismantle what they're saying and pick apart their argument? When you come to an issue that you can't seem to find agreement on, what do you do? Do you continue to argue? Do you just avoid the issue? Do you attack the person or do you attack the problem? When a problem in life, whether it's between the two of you or outside the two of you, is unresolved, how do you handle it? We talked last week about how how you handle conflict will really determine the quality of your relationships. And in your marriage, it's no exception. How you handle problems, disagreements, conflicts in your marriage, and even in your life, outside of your marriage, it will determine the health of your marriage. And these seemingly small things will destroy our relationships if we can't learn to trust each other, to rely on each other, to know that at the end of the day, they are not going anywhere. If we don't have that foundation, these small things, these seemingly small things can all of a sudden break apart our marriages and our relationships. So I just gave you a couple of little things that can become really gigantic, actually, ruined marriages and relationships. Again, this list isn't exhaustive, but I hope that it is instructive. So what I'd encourage you to do this week is to spend some time with your spouse today and ask this question. What are the little things in our marriage and what can we do about it? Instead of just sitting idly by and letting these things destroy our marriage, what are some things that we can do to attack the little things in our marriage? Uh, Josh mentioned last week that we have a resource page for this series, and that uh, QR code will take you right there. It's also, you can find it on our website, and it's got different resources for each week. And this week, there's a couple on there, and the one that I want to point out to you is that there's uh, something on there called a marriage journal. And what it is, is it's uh, kind of like a writing prompt or a, a conversation prompt, I guess you should say, for you and your spouse to sit down and ask each other some questions. I think there's six of them, and it's also got a weekly calendar. Um, just helps you spend some quality time together, ask some uh, good questions of each other. Joanne and I tried a journal just like that called Together. It's the exact same idea. Uh, we tried that for a while. We found it helpful. And then we decided that, you know what, we're going to make up our own thing because I don't like this question, but I do like that one. And so we decided we we're going to make up our own thing. And we, we call it our weekly check-in. And so what we do is we sit down and we pull out our shared note with some questions and prompts and spend some time going through this. And what I want to do now is just brief, briefly walk you through these things because I think we've, for us, we found it so helpful because it's given us an opportunity every single week to make sure that the little things don't become big things that ruin our relationship. So we start with looking at the budget together. How are we doing with handling our money? You have no idea how many marriages are destroyed because of money issues. 
Next, we look at our calendar for the next week and anything big that's coming up. Just make sure that we're on the same page with where we're going to be and when. And under that, we ask two questions. When will we spend time together this week? With how busy life gets, I often have to put family time on my calendar or it gets filled with something else. All of a sudden, I get to an end of a week and realize I've not spent any time with my family, and that is not okay. Um, so we make sure that we talk about that. What days will be hard for you? How can I be helpful? Let me get into some deeper questions. What was your high from last week? A praise, a good thing, simple joy that happened during the week. And then the flip side of that, what was a low from this last week? One thing that was hard, disappointing, frustrating, or discouraging. And what this does is it gives us an opportunity to make sure we share our hearts and what's going on beneath the surface. Sometimes we end up having these kind of conversations throughout the week, and by the time that we get to our check-in, it's kind of like, well, we talked about this, but I didn't mention this, or as I've been processing it, uh, here's the other thing I thought of. But the point is that, other, actually other weeks, um, we get to our check-in and we've barely had a chance to catch our breath, and so this gives us that, um, make sure we have that quality time to actually communicate with each other. Where did you see God at work this week? The next question. It's really important, I think, to keep this in front of us. It's easy to get lost in the difficult and the details of life and just forget about the fact that God is doing like a million things in our life, around us, and all we're looking at is the problems. All we're looking at is what is difficult. All we're looking at is what we don't like, and God is up to some amazing things around us. And if we just keep that before us, we'd have a lot more joy in our life and in our marriage. How is your walk with God? What is one specific thing I can do for you this week? Sometimes under this one, we can't really think of anything, and the answer is kind of just keep doing what you always do, and, and that's okay. The point is that we continue to put in the effort. Next question, is there anything that's gone unsaid, conflict, unresolved hurt, or sin that we need to resolve or seek forgiveness for? This helps us make sure that we keep really, really short accounts in our marriage. These things can really quickly break up any relationship. Next question, how do you feel like your, our sex life and closeness have been this week? How can I pray for you this week? And then, then we spend some time in prayer together. And sometimes this check-in, it takes, takes quite a while for us. Other times it's pretty quick. Uh, we love it when we can get away to a coffee shop or something like that for it, but most of the time it's sitting on our couch while Saul is eating for like the 20th time that day. Um, little man will not stop. Sometimes the conversation is really significant. Other times, it's a little bit less so. Sometimes it's really fun and we're really engaged and really excited to get to it. Other times, it feels like a little bit of a chore to get started. That's okay, because we're trying to build a marriage that lasts. And that is both really fun and hard work at times. I would encourage for you to find some way to connect with your spouse on a consistent basis. Maybe for you, a weekly check-in sounds a little bit formal, maybe a little bit uh, unnecessary for your relationship. You're able to have these kind of conversations really well without setting aside, uh, setting aside time for it. But I know for us, it was not happening consistently until we were intentional about it. We put it on our calendar and made sure it happened every week. And I would suspect the same is true for many others. And for us, this has been a way to attack those little things before they become big things. It's really easy in life to just ignore those things, to just keep uh, getting busy with whatever we have going on in our schedule and not deal with these issues. I'm not saying these questions are perfect. They certainly aren't a quick fix because it'll take some time for you to discover what questions are helpful to you and find a way to make it happen consistently. But if we put in the effort 
in the small things. It actually ends up paying off in a really big way in our marriage and in our life. Before we close, I want to come back around to those of you who are, are not married. What I hope you have seen through this whole message and as we've looked at God's word is really the principles for a lasting marriage. Many, maybe most of them, translate into any relationship. And those little things in your life, they can also ruin friendships. They can ruin sibling relationships. They can ruin your relationship with your parents. They can ruin your relationship with your employer or your employee. Any kind of relationship can be destroyed by these small things when we do not deal with them. And so no matter what season or station of life we're in, we are all in relationships. And how we deal with these small things is really going to determine the quality of those relationships. And so I'd encourage us to be a church that attacks the little things before they ruin our marriage and our family and our friendships. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that it deals with everyday stuff. It deals with real problems going on in our life right now. God, we're all in relationships. Some of them feel really joyful really quickly. Other, them's, other of them are just hard to get there. Father, thank you for being a God who goes before us and who um, calls us to do things that you have already done yourself, that you don't call us to go somewhere you're not willing to go yourself, that you were willing to send your son so that we could have a restored relationship, that he was willing to deal with the little and the big things that we've done against you that broke that relationship that we had with you. He was willing to pay the price in our place for our sin so that we could have a restored relationship with you. And Father, I pray for our relationships represented in this room today. Father, I pray that we would be a people that would attack these little things before they become big. It's so easy to so quickly, all of a sudden, this little argument becomes this big thing and now we find ourselves enemies with somebody who used to be a close friend. We find ourselves enemies with our spouse. We find ourselves enemies with our sibling or our parent over something that seems so small. And yet it has become so big in our hearts. Father, I pray that we would be willing to do the hard work that relationships require, that we'd follow you into those spaces. Thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.